What's up, guys? Welcome back to Square Zeroes with Derek Hawkins and John Mann. Today we're talking with Winston Scarlett. He's the founder of Slack Gaze, which is a music zine, a blog, and an archive here in Brooklyn. We'll hear from him in a second, but first we're going to take you in with a song from one of his bands. This is Wipeout by Chimes. Winston Scarlet. I usually go by Win because it's short and it's very positive, and uh, <laughs> I like to win. <laughs> um, I guess I mostly play bass in other people's projects. Lately, I've been playing bass in Chimes and Surfing, which is kind of funny because I didn't really want to be playing bass anymore, and I got into playing Chimes through like being in Surfing and. Both bands kind of have like a similar sound. They're doing the shoegaze kind of revival right now, um, which is pretty popular. And I, I like the music, but I was definitely like, I kind of want to paint more and do more visual <laughs> art. Yeah. So you do a lot of mixed media, and you also have a really cool project called Slack Gaze. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. I am the founder, creator of Slack Gaze. It's a, it's a zine. It's also sort of like a, a blog in its current formation. And the idea of the project is to sort of document our fascination with 90s revivalism, um, 90s slacker sort of mentality. And um, I was always fascinated by it because growing up, my favorite bands were like Pavement, Sonic Youth, 
and sort of, you know, I, I watched a lot of Richard Linklater films when I was like in high school, like Slacker was such an awesome movie to me. And so was uh, Waking Life. So I was like really fascinated with that stuff. And I, I created the zine to sort of document like how that's happening. And it's sort of a part of like our community consciousness here in Brooklyn and just, you know, throughout the United States and the world. Um, so these definitions can be like a lot of times amorphous and kind of elusive. Mm -hmm. uh, as someone who's focusing on this uh, so-called slacker culture, like as someone who's like devoting a lot of energy to this, how would you define slacker? Oh, awesome. I love that question because I never get to speak about it with a lot of people. Um, I guess for me, it's, it's very political. Um, I think a slacker stance is it's sort of like the resurfacing of like what punk was and what new wave was. It was like very anti-capitalistic, very not much concerned with the needs of like, you know, Kim Kardashian. I don't really <laughs> give a fuck about that shit. So like, I think I have a friend who's like writing a manifesto right now. He, uh, he has this idea called selective apathy, which is to choose to, to not give a fuck about like what society and status quo is like really valuing. So my my idea of like slacker mentality and like the slacker stance is sort of it's uh, it's choosing to do what you want based on like the core values of like who you are as a person and not like what you're expected to do in society. So for me, like being a slacker doesn't mean like not working hard or not like, you know, caring about like world issues about like feminism or like you know, anti-racism, it's more like saying, hey, these systems exist and my way of like taking on that sort of, um, that sort of stance is to not let it be the, the motivator of how like I live my life and the things I create. So being a slacker is a lot like, dude, I don't care what you're talking about right now. I'm just trying to like paint my painting right now. Get out of my face. Bro. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that, that gets lost a lot. You know, I mean, and, and I don't think I knew much about it when I was a teenager, you know, in the, in the late nineties, kind of having this, you know, like some of the kind of early nineties stuff, you know, Nirvana and things like that kind of trickling down to me, but realized at some point was, oh shit, like what was dangerous about like grunge, for example, when it happened was the, the concern was, you know, on the behalf of, you know, all of the adults of the world was like, this is a generation that might just not accept the responsibility of the, of like the world, <laughs> you know, like might not accept like adulthood and the responsibility of like, and what they meant was like capitalism and business and shit like that, you know, like, but this concern that it was like this entire generation that was just going to like forfeit that mantle that was being handed down to them. Like, Oh, this is how civilization works. And this is how, you know, like civilized people in society deal with each other. Um, and that they were just going to be like, well, I don't give a fuck, you know, like, I don't care about that. And I'm not going to deal with that. Um, I've always seen it in the same way. That's interesting that you, that you define slacker that way, because I thought, always thought like, that sort of rejection that absolutely comes out of the punk no, like that negative, you know, sort of Sex Pistols punk no, um, kind of lines up that way. Yeah, I definitely think that one of the big questions for me every day is, you know, I do a lot of show booking. I'm very active in the community here in Brooklyn. There are like a lot of things I don't really like about it and things that bum me out. And like my big question is like, why acquiesce? Like I can do things differently. I can sort of like, create a platform for other people to not have to acquiesce and like I think that's a big slacker question like why would I do that I don't want to do that so mm -hmm. fuck it what does it mean to you musically 
musically, I think, I think musically there isn't like a set sonic, there isn't like a set sound. I think musically it means that I am not a disciplined jazz musician. I'm just gonna get on a stage and play. I'm gonna write songs together with people when I feel like doing it. I'm not so much as the person who's like holed up nine to five working on music. Um, and I think you can kind of see that when you have a whole bunch of people working on a project and they didn't put in like the nine to five to work on it. So like bands that I love to play with and bands that I love to see and the energy I like to see are the bands that are like somewhat failing because they didn't do so well. And like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. to me, those are the shows I like to watch. Like I'm very bored with like the sort of like clean cut band that just sounds like everything is on point. I find those like, uh, I, like I like the bl- fuzzy rough edges around live sets. So Yeah, that's what makes it interesting. Or I mean, I think Square Zeroes kind of operates under a similar mentality. Like we're trying to celebrate like people's roots and people's like shitty failing humble beginnings absolutely i feel like there's a sterility that comes to the overtrained musician and it's hard to it's hard to be happy or excited or like seek that sort of set or sound when it feels sterile like i like the spirit of the music that comes out of a live set and if you're playing everything on point i'm probably going to be bored yeah how does that and then how how are you aiming to capture that with slack gaze can you talk a l- more about uh slack gaze's mission yeah absolutely um well my mission personally is i've always wanted to be an archivist i've always wanted to like work in cultural heritage and sort of preserve something relevant in the humanitarian or the humanities world and um for me slack gaze was an archive of this moment sort of this fascination with the 90s and I think the execution of like getting this archive together is very like right now it's very ad hoc I'm like taking on projects and just like you know I'm working with bands to record interviews I'm working with bands on music videos Um, I'm working with bands on like some sort of like very interesting like culture jamming projects Um, I'm also working on like putting on programming that reflects you know the spirit of the times in a sense that isn't just like, hey, you're gonna go to a show at a bar and you're gonna see these bands. I'm trying to like create an environment that's very much based on the vibe of slackerism. So doing a show at my house or like in a studio that, you know, my own studio that's very DIY and very sort of playing with the boundaries of like what it means to go to a show in Brooklyn um, is a part of my way of like encapsulating it. And it's all, it's all gonna live online. It's all gonna get backed up in the real world. So. 10 years from now, someone could say, man, I really like that band, like Milk Tick. I wonder like what they thought, you know, I wonder what the artist thought. Oh, dude, there's like this really cool interview with like Milk Tick interviewing like, hey baby, and they're just like totally riffing on it right now. I'm glad this person like took the time to like preserve that. Well, speaking of taking the time to preserve things, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, um, what have you brought for us to listen to today? This is some work um, that you, it's sort of, solo project type material or maybe you can maybe you can i know i know you i know you're not going to want to say solo project because that takes out the idea of collectivity but, yeah. but what do you what what do you, how would you define what you brought for us today? i 
like always wanted to be in like a noise band that was just like super high energy super like super punk and super like art rock like i like i always wanted to be like kim gordon i always wanted to like be in ponytail and i um i had recently gotten out of this band while i was in college and i like i was playing bass and i quit because i didn't really like working with the people in the project and i was just like you know what i should like actually start writing songs and like creating things for myself and just like finding people I want to jam with and do it. And it didn't have to be like a solo project. Like this is my album creating thing kind of thing. It was more like a free, whoever wants to just come and jam and like, we're going to try and record stuff and play shows and keep it open. Like, um, I'm just kind of the guy like picking people to do stuff and like seeing where the energy goes. Um, that was the idea behind this project. So I, I basically, yeah, I basically, I did it in the most like zany way. I just like cut out a bunch of like album art from like albums I loved. It was like, I had like some Fela Kuti. I had like some Sonic Youth. I had some Pavement. I just like pasted it all together on a like eight by 11 Xeroxed it and just wrote, do you play music? I'm in a band. I, I want to start a band. Like I play bass, hit me up. If you like these bands, I want to play like art rock. I want to do like something crazy and loud like i got a lot of people like i like it was all over campus like i was like going to cafes and putting it up like really really like old school and like the inquiries i got were like crazy there's this one dude he was like totally into like spiritual like manifesto and he like wrote the craziest email to me it was all about like taking over the world and like how like it was kind of like sadistic in a way like there was some like omens and like some 666 being thrown away and like he sent me like 60 songs and it was just like demos of him and it was like really dark and industrial and every email he sent me wasn't like hey man what do you do what do you think it was like welcome to my doctrine welcome to the world (laughs) and it was just like there was no like exchange of hey man you want to meet up and like jam it was just like i added you to my mailing list of things that you should know and i was like (laughs) i was like constantly getting emails from this guy so i met this other person monica through the same way she was um she was like in a noise rock band from japan she like she's going to city college to do some photography and like we met up at a cafe and i was just like dude check out this email from this dude like (laughs) and we were just like riffing on it i was like you think we should get him in Uh, and we were just like both laughing and like i was like i don't know man let's just see what we can do together so um i started off with electric ukulele and monica played bass as well so we both like would do bass um and sometimes we'd switch off on electric ukulele and we wrapped in some other friends playing drums and guitar but it was mainly me and her working on stuff we'd like maybe sit 15 minutes this is the idea for a song all right let's see if we can like record it and get it done and uh yeah that's how that went great we didn't get really far (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a great introduction so we wanted to listen to day editor um yeah we can listen to day editor this is a classic example of how we worked i literally like wrote that riff while we were waiting for our drummer to come to the space like it was like 15 minutes let's see if we can write a song by the time he gets here and then he just got in and it was like the second time we tried to record it. All right. So it's pretty rough. Let's go.
All right, so Day added. Yeah. So, so, that, so that was the, there were three there, right? It was drums, bass, and ukulele? And ukulele. And it was your friend Monica playing bass, mm-hmm. you playing ukulele. electric ukulele. And singing. And singing. And who was playing drums? Whatever that was called. Um, <laughs> uh, my friend Ben, he's, he's like the best drummer I've ever like played music with. He's like, I know he he went to Berkeley and like he's like very technically well, but he just had this soul and we all like the same music. Like he was like really into Afrobeat, so he's all about the polyrhythms. And I was like, that's what I want to incorporate into noise rock. Like I want to call it like art beat or something. Like I want to invent this new genre where it's just like Afro like beat and like art noise and like all these things that I liked. And uh, he just kind of like fell off the face of the earth. So, oh, so it's sad. I just want to play music there. I want to wake up and be like, yeah, yeah, where are you at, bro? <laughs> so what was that? So uh, talk, um, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of wrote that song like spontaneously while you were waiting for him to come up. What was the recording process like for that song? Um, I mean, we were sort of uh, at the time not really like thinking about recordings in terms of like, these are going to be long-term recordings. It was mostly like, let's just like, see what happens and like use it as reference for the next time we practice which may not ever happen but um we were actually at the new amsterdam musical association um which is this really awesome collective in harlem it's been there for over 100 years and i was a collective member there so once you're a member there you kind of are able to like you know use the space as you need to for practicing or like for booking shows and um like we literally just said hey let's meet up at the space go through some songs and then like, you know, see what happens. I think that was like the second time we tried it. It was like take two and then that's, mm. that was that recording. That's all we got from it. And I don't familiarize people with New Amsterdam. Yeah. Because uh, that's a fascinating collective with a huge history. Oh, I absolutely. Think a lot of people are aware of it. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a really interesting story. I got affiliated with New Amsterdam Musical Association because I would always like really be into live music and live jazz. So when I was in college, I was going to like all of these really clubs, really cool, like authentic, like this is Harlem jazz clubs, like St. Nicholas's Pub. And um, some of the musicians there told me I should like come into the New Amsterdam Musical Association. It's been here for over a hundred years. Like it got founded in the 1912s, 1912 area where like, you know, African-American, Caribbean jazz musicians weren't allowed to play in clubs, um, you know, downtown, um, like in the village. So they started this space where, you know, people can go up there and just like sort of have like a like a retreat. You know, you could play shows, there's studios, you can get lessons there. It's very like community center kind of thing. Um, lots of famous people, Duke Ellington, like everyone's been through Coltrane. I, I like loved going through their archive. It wasn't very well organized, but it was like amazing to see the pictures of everyone who's been there and definitely want to like go back and work on it because it needs some help. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the space itself, it was great. And like, it was interesting to be like so welcome to a space because I was just like a college kid in there. Just like, yeah, man, you want to come jam? You want to like be in here? You know, people have been there for like years. Like there was a huge generation gap. It was like, everyone was like 40 up. And then it was like me and like maybe two other like 20 year olds who were like members. So it was like really interesting to be in that sort of like diverse setting. Um, And it was also interesting to see like how like gentrification like gets like really nuanced because there is like, you know, this young crowd of like young, like hipster kids who are like playing shows at this old place and this old institution that's been there. But like 
the institution itself was just like, we want you here. This is something we want. But then the backlash was coming from like all of the yuppies who were like moving in to like the brownstones mm. on a once empty like brownstone street. Like neighbors were coming in and like calling cops on like, you know, pe- this the space has been there for over a hundred years. And it was this, just the idea that like, you know, a person's like, like attitude towards ownership and belonging to a space like is basically like why there's so much tension because you have this new energy that comes in and it's just like we need you to stop playing music now and it's like we you can't, <laughs> right. no yeah, yeah. you're not it's not like that yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. you know let me ask so, you it sounds like it sounds like they were really accepting did you ever get any it's it sounds like not on behalf of the new amsterdam um mm-hmm. or the, that community but like you never got they never gave you any you weren't playing jazz. I mean, they, no, like, I they mean, were, it's, it's largely a jazz organization. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, were just, just like, I was like booking like experimental bands. I was booking my friends. I was doing like all the shit I'd be booking now. And that's like where I got my start. And they were always there. You know, people came to the shows and like hung out and like, it was just like a very welcoming space. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was a good way to like really get into like show booking and understanding how, like the dynamics work because like I got a lot of experience and it was a very supportive background that could good good starting it's point. cool that they were supportive too I mean especially mm-hmm. if maybe it sounds like part of the problem might have been the noise created you know like when mm-hmm. it's just people playing jazz you know mm-hmm. maybe the neighborhood's like oh how quaint there's this old jazz association down the block and you know it's fine and then you know maybe you brought in this sort of younger element with a louder sound and then people started complaining it's mm-hmm. cool to think that even with that generation gap, the older members of the association were like, no, this is music that yeah. deserves to be here. And we welcomed it into our doors and you need to, yeah. out, you know? Yeah, no, it was definitely like, I would say it was, it was very interesting to try and problem solve like that sort of issue because it'd be like, all right, so this is what we're going to do after like, you know, an association meeting would be like, we're going to try and soundproof and we're going to like, you know, we're going to like close the door and, you know, but you know this person is gonna be the one who's gonna complain, but that person over there doesn't really give a fuck. And it was just like, it was very like, the problem isn't the music or the changing of like, you know, the people who are coming in and out. The problem itself seemed to be more like, you know, we need to keep this space and we need to like keep this platform open for other people to use it, so. And are you still involved? Um, I haven't done anything there recently just because like I went through a lot of shifts in my last like living situation. Like I went from Harlem to living in Brooklyn to living in Newark to living in Brooklyn and just I haven't been able to like continuously be a member of that like collective and community. But I definitely like still like keep in touch with people from there and like shoot the shit every now and then. And what are they? Can you speak to what they're doing at all now? Um. Yeah, I, like the last I spoke to them, they were having like an event. It was like a Haitian fundraiser for, for um, I think just like the Haiti community, the Haitian community in Harlem, like their networks. So they're still doing events and like, it's all very like community sort of DIY. Um, I'm pretty sure they're probably still like doing their regular like Monday night open night sort of like, what's it called? Open mic that happens every Monday. I haven't been up to Harlem in like so long. Just thinking about it like blows my mind. Do you ever play at Easy's Woodshed or hang out there? No, where's that? Oh man, it's gone now. Mm -hmm. It was uh, 146th and um, 146th and Malcolm X. Oh yeah. And it was this little jazz club that my uh, 
one of my jazz professors told me about mm-hmm. when I was in school in Boston and I came down like to New York and like just for that and it was just that was like a musician's like hangout in Harlem and it, they did like I think it was I think it was every afternoon from like three to seven they just had like kind of open mic jams and it was a place where a lot of people would meet and it shut down for mysterious reasons I don't know why oh wow but it was just a little hole in the wall they had a tiny record store in the front and in the back was this kind of cafe area mm. and uh, that was cool I was just curious if they were connected at all yeah, no, I've never been there. That's interesting. It's kind of an old jazz head hangout, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Harlem's great. There's tons of places like that that are just, like, still doing it. And it's it's amazing because I don't really, like, do much of the jazz thing in Brooklyn or, like, I don't really know what's going on in the village. But, like, in Harlem, it was just such a culture where I could just, like, roll out of bed, like, roll out of class and just, like, roll up to something and awesome music was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was just so easy and accessible. So Yeah. So you have another song from those sessions for us. Yeah. All right, introduce this track. I forgot which one it was. <laughs> We're going to do uh, Monica Stern. Oh, yeah, this one's Monica Stern. Um, I That was like another nameless demo kind of thing, and it was also just like a recording of us like trying to write something new. Um, this is one where we switched up. I was playing bass on this one, and Monica was playing... Um, electric ukulele and we just had this joke because like the electric ukulele like only had one sound and it was very like jarring and we just thought it like like it was just like it's hard to escape that one sound you're going for with like just a a fuzz pedal and um she started like just riffing on it really hard and i was just like kind of sounds like like a marnie stern song right now yeah so (laughs) so so we're just like uh, let's just call it monica stern yeah that's (laughs) nice monica stern monica stern
was sick. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was ill, man. Thank I you. like how it just like I didn't expect it to like descend into that kind of free improvisation type thing. Yeah, I think that that was really cool. the vision for the the project or whatever we were doing was just to like keep it open, keep it loose. Like we're gonna be playing some very open ended noise sets. Like once we start playing shows and no real ending or beginning to songs. Just jam on a riff and see where it goes. No, I think what makes it really pleasant and interesting to listen to though is you're right. Like the drummer provides this cool backbone and I hear what you're like the polyrhythms as you're talking about I listen a little more closely on that track and uh, he's like his fills are very like non rock and roll and um, and the kit itself I don't know what kind of a kit he was playing but it, it sounds like the recordings really lo-fi but there's no denying that that's a sweet kit either that or he's working like a normal kit really amazingly yeah it was a little bit of both because uh, that one was shot in uh, his his personal practice space where he had a really nice kit. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was gorgeous. The uh, the one uh, day editor, the one we listened to before, was shot at NAMA, and the kit there was super beat up. Mm. There, it was like falling apart. The heads were a joke, but you know, he made it work. Yeah, both tracks. Yeah, and the snare on that one was very like fella. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that that's, kind of that's, that was his thing. Snare. He was like he loved Afrobeat, and we both we you know like we were. Tony Allen, that's that was our like our big thing that drew us together. We were both huge Tony Allen fans. That's cool. And how did you actually re like record it? What was the was this just a, a mic in the center of the room? Or no, was it was it? just an iPhone, just like re sitting in the middle of the room. It sounds so, it <laughs> sounds remarkably yeah. clear. Yeah. yeah, for just like an iPhone yeah. recording. I mean, I know the technology's come a long way, but shit. And this was also, I mean, but you're also saying this was probably like iPhone two or maybe. 10 or like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's wild. Yeah. That's really wild that it sounded that great. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your bands are doing now. So you, what, what is uh, you're in Chimes? Yeah, I'm and you in play Chimes. bass in Chimes. And what do you, what do you guys kind of do now? What are y'all working on now? So uh, we kind of just did a little bit of a, a show hiatus because we're we're kind of we're kind of like all feeling the the like let's dust off this shoegaze thing and like let's kind of put it to rest. Um, sort of something like we're not really that excited about musically okay. anymore um and it, it all came at the same time like we were playing shows where we were just like i don't feel like playing our set i really like none <laughs> of us wants to play our music we need to do something different so we kind of like scrapped the sound that we had um and it's completely like bottom up like starting from the beginning now we even switched up the arrangements like me and jesse are singing more now um i think we're we're going for a more noisier kind of a very slack loud thing it's uh right now we're thinking it's more psychedelic punk than anything we've been listening to a lot of vocs a lot of destruction unit um it's kind of the route we're going and cool we're also very influenced by our peers we we love like the i don't know we're big fans of sunflower bean and we like mm -hmm. the extended jams and yeah uh, that's the route we're going cool cool yeah. so so when will that when will that next uh when will that shoe drop Really soon, uh, we've got some shows coming up. Uh, I think May, May sixth or seventh, we're playing a free show at Baby's All Right. Um, we're writing that set right now. Like we literally just wrote four songs yesterday. That we're like, we don't care. This is the direction we're going. It's going to be more band beef and less like, let's create these finely crafted like shoegaze numbers. Now it's going to be more like our live set is all energy now. Um, Everyone singing. I've never like really, really like been in the front of a band. Jesse's in the front too. Um, 
Linda and Ashley are still singing, but it's going to be a lot different because Chimes has really like been identified as like a female vocalist sort of band. So it should be interesting to see how the new the new set gets reactions. Like we're we're excited about it. We're like we can't wait to be playing shows with this. We want to play like rooftops and like basements and just like shred out and get super punk. So. Square zero showcases. Square zero showcases. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Whenever you guys let us know, we're, we're booking hard now. Word. And you want to talk about surfing at all? Oh, yeah, totally. I love surfing. Um, I feel like I'm, like, in a good place sonically, like, with the people I play music with because I've always wanted to be in, like, a band where I was Kim Gordon and then it was, like, you know, Lee and Thurston just going crazy. And I feel like surfing's more that route. Um, they're probably the most fun I have playing in terms of just like jamming. They like they really take songs in different directions. And our live set um, is starting to reflect that more. Before it was like the same like shoegaze kind of wormhole that I found myself in in chimes. But now we're starting to like open it up and be more jammier and more like loud. And the dynamics have definitely changed. So. I'm in a sweet spot as the bass player who doesn't write the songs, but like, you know, does a lot of arrangement kind of back end stuff. So it's really hard to be in those positions when you're like, I kind of want the song to do this. Can you do this on guitar? Can you make it go here and there? But you're like, I'm not writing this song. This is your song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we have a couple shows coming up too. Um, we might be playing at Babies. Uh, I know we're playing Connecticut really soon uh, next weekend, and uh, it should be fun. The the sound is starting to it's starting to reflect the season. Like it's getting hot. Yes. We want to play some like <laughs> yeah. some psych punk shit. It's about yeah. time, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And do you want to talk a, about um, what uh, Slack Gaze has in store for the next coming weeks, months? <sighs> yeah, man. I like. I wake up and my life is Slack Gaze. Like I have like three rules of work that I guess one is more of a lifestyle rule, but rule number one is like don't leave Brooklyn on the weekends. Uh, rule number two is never work above 14th street. And then <laughs> rule number three, which is like, I've been doing this for two years and it's like, it's been treating me well. And I don't think it'll ever, ever go away, but never work for other people on Mondays. So like today is like my crunch time. <laughs> it's like, yep. this is like, this is a day where I get all my slack gay shit done. So like right That's now why I got Mondays off, man. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. Fuck that. There's no way you're going to find me in the office on a Monday. I'm sorry. That's just that is bad a great vibes. rule. Yeah. Yeah. So today, like I've been, um, I guess I've been on a real like booking crunch. I have pretty much, uh, every, every weekend I have a, a slack gay showcase coming up, uh, until about June when we're, we're doing a festival. Um, a lot of my work has been like coordinating with bands, coordinating with like instruments, getting backlines prepared, um, working with people to like make sure they're okay with like playing a fundraiser and stuff because uh, I kind of like, I, I like have firmly always believed in like paying bands, uh, paying bands like no matter what. And like, I've always like been able to like give bands money from showcases but i'm like looking for a new big studio so i'm like trying to fundraise as much as i can so i don't like really have to like worry about taking out loans and stuff and um people have been down with it they're like yeah dude we want to help we want to support you know people have been donating equipment gear their skills talents so it's been coming together um currently looking for a larger space um 1000 square feet to like 2000 square feet area and um 
yeah, the plan for the studio is it's just going to be a production center for for the zine and the the website. Um, I want to be able to record bands there. I also want to be able to work on large projects like shooting music videos or creating like really awesome installations for the space to like actually be like a, in a very unique art space to be into. And um, I kind of want to shift into like rolling out a, a Slackies residency where like bands could come from wherever they are and like just crash there for like a month and work on some super cool projects for the website and for them, you know, like let's make an awesome music video together or like, you know, let's whatever you have in mind, you know, you want to curate a bunch of bills, you want to have a residency where you're just playing every show. So trying to figure that out, getting the nuts and bolts behind it. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, dude, we're really honored to have you on Square Zeros. This has been great. And Thank you. It's, and, and it's just, it's a pleasure to have like another like community builder in here to talk. Um, do you want to take us out with uh, a chime song? Yeah, yeah. I hope I don't get in trouble for this because <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really run this by the band. It's actually I did briefly, but I guess you guys are going to have an exclusive on sort of uh, one of our unreleased demos. We did some recording um, back in February, and you know we recorded at home, sort of our, our friend's studio. And um, we weren't really happy with the set and like, you know, the sound, it was still, you know, shoegazy chimes. So we haven't like released it. We've just been sitting on it. But uh, this one song, it's called uh, Saltine in the Sea or just Saltine for short. And uh, I know it's a sweet like little love number. So cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming in with us, man. Absolutely. Uh, Square Zeros. When's Garlic? I'm thanks. John. <laughs> Derek. Thanks, guys.